so we're going to jump over to the book of Acts and Acts chapter 19. And we're going to start in verse 1. Now today we're going to start a new series and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. The importance of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we're going to turn over to Acts, Acts 19. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, try to find a neighbor, hopefully, that has one. Look on with them. Acts 19. And we might have a little more scriptures than normal today, but that's okay. It won't hurt them. Amen? <laughs> scriptures are good for you. Uh, because we're going to teach a couple things today about the Holy Spirit. Acts 19 and verse 1, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, uh, today, if you're taking notes, the title of this series and the title of this message today is called Fresh Air. Fresh air. Everybody say fresh air. Fresh air. So uh, we're going to talk about fresh air this morning. You probably need some sitting next to your stinky friend you have next to you. Some fresh air. Hopefully they have some breath mints. That's good for fresh air also. Uh, but we're going to talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life today in the next several weeks. And we're going to talk about the importance of him and he as a person. He's not just a feeling. He's not just a force. He's a person. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit because to be an honest pastor or minister, if I didn't talk about the Holy Spirit to you guys and didn't fully explain how important he is to your life, it would hurt your life if I didn't mention things like this. So we need to talk about it. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a, a good message today. And a message to uh, get you moving on your Mother's Day. And we're going to talk about fresh air today. Fresh air in this new series about the Holy Spirit. Now, fresh air is going to make sense in a moment when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. But let me do some introductory things pertaining to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, He is a person, not a force, not a feeling. He will give you feelings, and you can feel Him. And He is powerful, but He is a person. And the Holy Spirit is God. Now, when people say, you need to stay away from all those Holy Spirit people, they're saying you need to stay away from God. All right. All right now. I thought this was a Pentecostal church last time. I checked. So, when people tell you to stay away from the Holy Spirit or the Spirit-filled life, they're telling you to stay away from God. And there's been many misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. There's many, been many fears about the Holy Spirit. And how many know that's the plan of the enemy to get you to fear and to think wrongly about the most important thing in your life? And not just to keep people that aren't saved out of being saved, but to keep believers powerless and ineffective because they're afraid of a gift that God would give them. And there is more debate and more fear about the Holy Spirit in the church than any other thing. And that is the main thing that you need in your life. That is the best friend that God ever gave you. That is the most important thing that you could have is the Holy Spirit in you and living through you and on you. But it's the plan of the enemy to get you afraid of the best thing that God could give you. 
Now, doesn't it say that in the Gospels? He said, you know, your, your father wouldn't give you a scorpion, scorpion. They wouldn't give you a snake. They wouldn't give you something to harm you. How much more your father in heaven would give you the Holy Spirit? Now, he's saying that on purpose because people even back then were unsure about the Holy Spirit. And he says, if God wants to give you a gift, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to harm you. It's not going to make you weird. It's going to help you. That's why he says in the Gospels, he says, he, your, your natural earthly parents wouldn't give you something that would harm you. How much more your Father in heaven wouldn't give you something that would harm you. So he gives you the Holy Spirit. Who doesn't want to hurt you, doesn't want to make you weird, doesn't want to make you strange. His role is to help us as believers. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit because he's so important. He's so important. There's no way to describe how important he is. Now, let me clear up a couple of misconceptions because it's hard to understand for our brains and our minds because we are not God. So to explain God to people that aren't God is hard to fully understand. Now, we know that God is three, but he's one. He's Father, Son, and Spirit. And we know this about God is it's easy to relate to a father because most of you know what a father is like. It's easy for us to relate to a son because we know. But when you start talking about spirit, it gets a little vague, gets a little weird. People feel uncomfortable because they don't know how to frame it or put it into their minds because it's beyond your mind. It's God. So when you start talking about spirit, because you can't really define it completely, people are afraid of what they don't understand. And people are afraid of what they can't comprehend with their natural minds. So that's when you say father and son, people are okay with that. But when you start talking about spirit, they get uncomfortable. Especially in the church world, which that's the thing that's hurting them. Because they're not taking advantage of the person of the Holy Spirit. Another thing that makes uh, the Holy Spirit something that people don't want to uh, be a part of is just the translation. A lot of our Bibles translate it Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I don't like scary movies. I don't think scary movies are fun. I don't think scary movies are entertaining. I don't want to watch Ghost Hunters. I don't want to think about a ghost in my house. So when you say Holy Ghost, it automatically gets strange. And then when people in the church say, well, you need to receive the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost wants to live in you. I don't want no ghost living in me. I don't want a ghost in my house. But they say the Holy Ghost needs to come on you and live in you. With a crazy look in their eye. That makes us all uncomfortable. But notice, once again, it's just a part of the translation. They didn't know how to describe the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So the best way they could put it is Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. So once again, Holy Ghost, just the word Holy Ghost upsets people. And they don't realize it's not just a force or a feeling. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God the Spirit. He is the presence of God. He is the power of God. He is the Spirit of God. You know, when you say that you feel God in the service, you know what that is? The Holy Spirit. When somebody says, I'm anointed, and I'm preaching anointed, and I feel the anointing, guess what the anointing is? The Holy Spirit. 
He's a person. He's not just a feeling. Now, you can feel him, but he's a person, and he is the presence of God. And in reality, he is the, the part of the Godhead that we relate to the most because the Father is in heaven and the Son is in heaven, but he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us right now. So in reality, that's the person you relate to the most. So you can understand why the, whole, or the, the enemy has tried to make the Holy Spirit weird and unusual and you want to stay away from him because he's the person who can help you the most. And let's get church people confused about it and let's get the world confused about it so that they're afraid of the best gift they could ever receive. Are you getting something this morning so far? And so the Holy Spirit is God. He is a person, he is God, and he is really in reality, uh, he is the part of the Godhead that we relate to the most, the Father, Son, and Spirit. But the Father and Son are in heaven, the Spirit is with us. He's in the earth. He's living through us as believers. And even people that aren't believers, the Holy Spirit's still in the earth and around us, moving and doing stuff. And so we, re- we need to receive what he wants to do in our lives. So the Holy Spirit, uh, he is God and he is a person. Now, stay with me here. We, we're going to do some teaching because I, I want you to understand uh, about the Holy Spirit. This is nothing we need to be afraid of. He's the most important person in our life. He should be our best friend. He is called the helper. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. I don't know about you, but I need help. Now, don't say amen too loud that I need help because you need help too. We all need help. We can't, I don't know if you figured that out by now, but we all need help, a lot of it. We can't do this life on our own. We can't live in this life on our own. We can't make it through this life on our own. We need help. And God said, I don't want to leave you helpless, so I'm going to send you the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the standby, the intercessor to come and help you live this life and live it victoriously and do everything I've called you to do. Come on, are you getting something this morning? And the Holy Spirit wants to help us. Now, here's another reason, because the Holy Spirit is is God. He is a person. But another reason why people stay away from Uh, Holy Spirit churches, Holy Spirit teachings, Holy Spirit music. They're afraid of it because of bad experiences in church. They're afraid of it because of weird people. And the thing is, we need to believe the truth of God's word and not experiences. Because there's a lot of things that people have done in the church world and said it was the Holy Spirit, and it was because they were a weird person. No spirit involved there other than you're a weirdo. Now, none of you, of course, just people that aren't at the church anymore. That's who I was talking about, right? None of you would be in that category. But let's be honest. That's what turns a lot of people off. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's people that act strange and act weird. And they have wrong experiences, and so they say, well, I don't want to be like them. They're weird. They're strange. Can I be honest on a Sunday morning? I know you're all thinking that, but. And so the thing is, the Holy Spirit, he's not going to make you weird and strange. He's going to help you. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to be different than other people. doesn't mean you're not going to be supernatural. But that doesn't mean you're going to just be weird and unusual. 
And a lot of people have associated that with the Holy Spirit. I heard a joke about this. They said a lot of times people think about the Holy Spirit. That means you have to wear no makeup or way too much makeup. Okay, so. And see, if people, that's all they associate it with, they're like, that's kind of different. Because they see TV preachers that are different and weird and say they're Holy Spirit-filled people. Or they see churches that, that force the Holy Spirit on people and make people do certain things or act strange. And I know a lot of us have experienced some of those things. I know that uh, Daryl could write a book with me about weird experiences we've had in the church world. Whether that's laughing ladies or <laughs> people making unusual noises in services or you know all sorts of things that people said was the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't. It was distracting. It was inappropriate. It wasn't God. It wasn't in order. So, we need to base what we believe about the Holy Spirit on, number one, the Word of God. But number two, how about people that are normal and are Spirit-filled people, that are living a victorious, Spirit-filled life? Don't base it off the the group of people that they put on CNN, because you know they put those people on CNN. Let's get the Spirit-filled Christian on CNN. So, he's going to have one tooth. Um, he's going to live in the hills of somewhere, probably Kentucky. Did I say it? (laughs) They're going to get the guy with one tooth who lives in the hills of of Kentucky in a bunker, and he's claiming it's the apocalypse, and that's the spirit-filled believer they want to get on CNN to represent the spirit-filled world. Oh, he's a Holy Ghost guy. Couldn't you get somebody a little bit more normal to be on there? But you know they do that on purpose to discredit people that are spirit-filled. They get the strangest, weirdest person they could find who's prophesying about apocalypse. So, (laughs) I'm just talking freely this morning. So, a lot of people are put off by the Holy Spirit. But notice, it's not the Holy Spirit you're put off with. It's people. It's experiences. It's weirdness. But it's not the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the thing. The, the enemy has used that to keep people away from the best gift they could ever receive, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not going to make you weird. He's, his calling is to help you. So we're going to talk about two words, and it's going to tie in with what we're talking about, fresh air. But before we do, notice in Acts 19, verse 1 and 2, They came to a group of believers who were already saved. And they had already, in one way, received the Holy Spirit. But he said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain to you what that means. Is because there's a lot of believers that love God. They're going to heaven. But they haven't received what is known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Spirit. Now, let me explain to you like this. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. He's in you. So, yes, you do have the Holy Spirit. But there's something that's mentioned throughout the New Testament, which is a second experience where the Holy Spirit is not just in you. He comes on you for service. He comes on you to give you power to live this life. He comes on you to help you do what you can't do in your own strength. He comes on you to do what you can't do. The Holy Spirit comes on you. And there's a lot of believers that love God and that are sincere, but they've never received that second experience. 
because of, once again, weirdness and wrong teaching. And they're living a powerless, to some level, Christian life. Not that they don't have any victory, not that they don't love God or they don't pray or they don't read their Bible, but in some aspects of their life, they're not fully in what God has for them because they haven't received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And notice that's what happened here. He went to these believers. They were already saved. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, well, we have not even heard whether there was a Holy Spirit. So nobody had taught them that there was something more. Now, I don't know about you. Now, I'm not trying to make this sound a certain way. But by this teaching and by this series, you know, people that are spirit-filled, we don't need to think of ourselves better than other people that aren't. That's not the heart of God. Can I get amen? Amen. And that's another thing that turns people off when people like us uh, act like we're superior to everybody who doesn't believe as much as we do. That's not good. But in reality, we still need to encourage people in a right way to receive everything God has for them. But also not to look down on people that haven't received like we received. Can I get amen? amen? But I want to say something pertaining to that. Now, I don't know anything other than church like this than the spirit-filled life, than the Holy Spirit. I don't know anything else other than that. So that's been my whole life. I, I don't know anything different. But I don't know about you, but I can tell when praise and worship isn't spirit-filled. Maybe you guys aren't as sensitive to that yet. But it just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> I'm just like, this, you can tell these people aren't spirit-filled. It's kind of like the people on the radio, they try to redo, redo Hillsong United songs. It's like, but yeah, but you aren't Hillsong United, so you're ruining the song. Or people try to do Bethel songs on the Christian radio and make it sound cleaner and better. It's like, yeah, but you aren't spirit-filled like they are, so it just doesn't sound the same. Now, I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. Hear my heart here. But I am trying to say there's a difference when somebody's full of the Spirit and when they're not. There's a difference. There's a difference in anointing. There's a difference in power. Not that the song can't bless you if somebody's not spirit-filled. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a difference. Now, maybe it's just because I'm sensitive to that because that's all I know. And I know the same thing to be true with preaching. There's a lot of good preachers. They can talk circles around people. They have doctorates. They're amazing. What they're saying can help you and will bless you. But there's a difference in somebody who's not spirit-filled. You can't put your finger on it, but you know. Oh, they need some Holy Ghost on this. Now, you're a good teacher and you're a good preacher, but you need some Holy Ghost on this. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's, Spirit is the difference maker. Like mom's been saying, he's the game changer. And he takes what you do in the natural, and then he puts the supernatural on it to make it better than it could ever be in the natural. That's why we can't worship without the Spirit of God. We can't preach without the Spirit of God. We can't heal without the Spirit of God. We can't deliver without the Spirit of God. You can't change anybody's life apart from the Holy Spirit. That's why preaching like that really doesn't work and change lives because they can go to a college and hear somebody talk like that. If they want to hear a great speaker, they can go into the government and hear a politician speak. But the difference is the Holy Spirit. Now, hear my heart. I'm not saying we're better than anybody. I'm saying once you get spirit-filled, you realize the difference. 
You can hear it. Whether they said it or not, you can hear it in the music. You can hear it in the way they talk. You can hear it in the way they walk. You can hear it in the way they preach. You can, you can see it in the way they live a life because it is a powerless life. Now I better get to my message because I'm way off. And you need the power of God to live this life. All right. <laughs> so we need to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, just like this church. And, and later on in the passage, they received the Holy Spirit when Paul laid hands on them. They received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're talking about fresh air today. And let me explain to you why. Because uh, in the Bible, there's two different words used for the Holy Spirit. There's two different words used, and there's one in the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew. There's one in the New Testament, which is in Greek, and I'm going to explain those to you. So the word used in the Old Testament for spirit is this. It is the word ruach. Learn something new today. And what that word means is a wind, breath, or a blast of air. That's what that word spirit means. Now, in the New Testament, the Greek word is pneuma. And that word means similar. It means air, breath, or strong wind. Now, we see that because the translators and the people who wrote the Bible, once again, your mind can't fully comprehend who God is and how to explain him in an English word or a Greek word or a Hebrew word. So they did the best they could to translate a word for the Spirit of God. And there's going to be some things we talk about today that coincide with these definitions because really uh, these definitions could be characteristics or the nature of the Spirit of God being revealed to us. So we see they're similar. Ruach and pneuma are both a wind, a breath, air, blast of air, a strong wind. There are all these similar words that are used in the Hebrew Bible, in the Greek Bible. Let's look over at Genesis 1 and verse 2. Now, I said I was going to teach for a minute, if that's okay, just to explain this to you. So in the Old Testament, the word ruach is used, but in the New Testament, the word pneuma. But notice they both mean similar things, air, breath, strong wind, a blast of air. And this is the beginning of everything in Genesis 1. In Genesis 1 and verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, And darkness was on the face of the deep. And notice, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God, and that's the word ruach, a wind, a breath, a blast of air. The Spirit of God was there in the beginning. There in creation. The Spirit of God was waiting for the Father and the Son to speak the world into existence. And the Spirit of God was waiting or hovering to go create what they spoke. So we see that the Holy Spirit was in the beginning. Also, in Revelation, we're not going to turn there, but in the last couple verses of Revelation, the Spirit of God is mentioned from the beginning to the end. And all throughout the Bible, but at the end of the book of Revelation, it says, And the Spirit and the bride, which is the church, say, Come talking to Jesus and the spirit and the bride say come 
He's not just a force or a feeling. He is the Spirit of God. He's a person. And notice he was there in the beginning, and he's there in the end. The Spirit of God. So we see that the Spirit of God is moving from Genesis to Revelation. He's moving right now in the earth today. He's moving in our lives. He's moving in this building right now. He's moving all across the world. But notice the Spirit of God was in the beginning and he was in the end. Let's look at John 6 and 63. So we're talking about fresh air today, the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The importance of the Holy Spirit. And hopefully by this teaching and the next several weeks that you could understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you've never heard a teaching like this or maybe you've heard many teachings like this. I pray that we fall in love with the Holy Spirit all over again and that we realize his importance in our life. So we're going to read in John 6, 63. Now this is Jesus speaking. John 6 and 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, same word, pneuma, breath or wind, and they are life. It is the Spirit, notice who gives life, Spirit of God. The flesh or what all of us can do in our own natural strength, profits nothing. The words that I speak, the words that Jesus speaks to you are spirit and they are life. You know, something important to know about this verse is this. When we read the Bible, this is not just another book. This is not just another book in our lap that we're reading. This is not just a bestseller. This is spirit and it's life. Because it has the power of the Holy Spirit in it and on it. And it says in the New Testament that these books that were written in the Bible were written by men of God who were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. So these words aren't just natural, they're supernatural. These words aren't just uh, words on a paper, they are spirit and they are life, meaning that they have the potential to bring you into life if you listen to what this book has to say. Now, I want to say that because our culture and our world downplays the importance of the Bible. It's old. It's irrelevant. It's written in old languages. It's not today. They need to update this because it's not current enough for the culture. That's what they say every day. On the news, at school, everywhere you go, that's the argument they have for the Bible. But this Bible's more relevant than it's ever been. It's more powerful than it's ever been. Because these words are eternal, and they are spirit, and they are life. You guys getting something this morning? They are spirit, and they are life. You know that just in the same way that you need air in your lungs to breathe or you die, you need the Holy Spirit in your life to be able to live. If you're suffocated, that means you're not getting any air in your lungs and you die. How many people are walking around like that 
walking around this world hopeless and helpless because they're being spiritually suffocated because they don't have the air, the breath, the wind of the Spirit of God in their life. And what happens is you die. Maybe not physically, but spiritually you die. Emotionally you die. The plans of God die in your life when you don't have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to be as close to you as air is in your lungs. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell in us, live in us, live through us, come upon us, and notice, to help us. And he wants to be as close as air in your lungs. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. You guys follow me so far this morning. You know, in one sense, in the beginning, it says in the book of Genesis that when God was creating everything, we just read it, the Spirit of God was hovering. And when he created Adam, he formed him from the dust of the ground. And notice what he did. He breathed into Adam. Now that word, once again, for spirit is breath, air, wind, strong wind. God breathed into Adam, mankind, the breath of God. Now what is the breath of God? The spirit of God. And notice, when God breathed on him, he came alive. When God breathed on Adam, he came alive. Because he received the spirit of God into him. But notice what happened when Adam sinned, he got separated from God. The breath went out of him. The air went out of him. The spirit of God left him that day because of sin. Now there's good news. Because the story doesn't end there. And mankind since that day till now have been living without breath, without air, without wind. Because the Spirit of God hasn't been in them. But what happened? When Jesus came, he brought the Spirit of God back in its fullness. And after he died on the cross and ascended to heaven, he's told his early disciples, you wait for the Holy Spirit to come because he's going to help you do everything I've called you to do. And you can't do it by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit because you can't win the world. You can't save the world. You can't heal the world. You can't deliver the world apart from the Holy Spirit. So I want you to wait because the Spirit of God is going to come just like he came in Genesis and breathed into you the breath of life, just like he breathed into Adam in the book of Genesis. And notice what it says in Genesis 2. There was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Now I'm preaching this morning. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. What did they hear? The Spirit of God coming. Why? Because that word spirit means a strong wind, a breath, some air. And they said that we hear this. They didn't see a wind, but they heard a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it said it filled the house where they were seated down. They filled the house. And the Holy Spirit has been here ever since. And you know what? When you receive the Holy Spirit, that's what happens to you. The breath an air of God gets back into you. And what does that symbolize? Life. He takes your dead spirit and your dead 
body and your dead soul and he revives it and he breathes in you the breath of life, which is the spirit of God. And so we see that Jesus has restored that. And all throughout the New Testament, you're seeing people, the Holy Spirit breathing into them again, the life and spirit of God, just like he did in Genesis. You guys get something this morning. I'm going to talk about uh, four things here pertaining to, to wind. Now, we mentioned that this word used for spirit is a wind, a breath, a blast of air, a strong wind. All kind of similar words used to describe the spirit. But I think that we can learn something from natural wind, characteristics of natural wind, that reveal the nature of the spirit of God. Now you got to go with me, right? Okay, I know it's Mother's Day. I know you have a fat cupcake with your name on it out there. And eat it with all its glory. Cherish it today. But we're going to talk about four things that wind is. The first thing is, now this reveals the nature of the Spirit of God. Wind is unseen. Let's look at John 14. In verse 16 and 17. The first thing is wind is unseen. We know that wind, you can't see it, but that doesn't mean it's not real. Wind is unseen. The same way the Spirit of God, you don't see the Spirit of God with your natural eyes. He's unseen, but that doesn't mean he's unreal. Wind is unseen and the spirit is unseen. So John 14, 16, and 17. He says, I will pray that the Father and he will give you another helper and he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, notice because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So we see we can learn something from natural wind, a characteristic of it, to reveal the nature of the Spirit of God. Wind is unseen. Not unreal, just unseen. The Spirit of God is unseen. Now that's another thing that makes people uncomfortable because we want to be able to comprehend with our mind everything that God's going to do. We want to be able to see and to hear And to understand everything God is going to do. But he's bigger than you. He's bigger than your mind. He's bigger than your eyes. He's bigger than your ears. He's bigger and greater. And he's doing things that are sometimes unseen. Just like wind is unseen, the Spirit of God, it says, is unseen. Sometimes we get uncomfortable. Some of you could get uncomfortable in a church like this because you start to feel something. Who touched me? It's unseen. That doesn't mean it's any less real. It's just unseen because God lives outside of our natural world. He's beyond our dimensions that we live in. So we don't see him with our natural eyes unless God would give us a vision or until we get to heaven. So just like wind is unseen, the spirit of God is unseen. Number two... Wind 
is unpredictable. Let's look at John 3 and verse 8. John 3 and verse 8. John 3 and verse 8 says, Wind is unpredictable. John 3 verse 8 says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Wind is unpredictable. Now we can learn something from natural wind and bring it into the nature of the Spirit. The Spirit of God, just like natural wind is unpredictable, the Spirit of God is unpredictable. You can't put the Spirit of God in a box. Once again, we try to. You know, most denominations started with a move of the Holy Spirit, and then they put God in a box. So God's only Baptist now. God's only Lutheran now. God's only Pentecostal now. God's only Catholic now. God's only Methodist now. And they put one experience in a box, and they try to keep God there. But notice, the Holy Spirit left those churches a long time ago. And I'm not talking about all denominations. I'm saying when you put God in a box, he's not at your church. And that goes for charismatic and Pentecostals as well. Because the Holy Spirit, just like wind, is unpredictable. You can't put him in a box. You can't make him do it the same way. He's not a genie in a bottle. You rub him three times and he grants you three wishes the same way every time. The Holy Spirit is unpredictable. And once again, people get uncomfortable because they want to keep everything in a box. I want my life to be in a box. I want everything to be planned out. The Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. I love it. He's just like me, unpredictable. No calendar. Okay. All right. I'll get off that. I've made a lot of good comments lately. The Holy Spirit's unpredictable just like when. He doesn't do it the same way twice. You read the Gospels, Jesus didn't heal the same way every time. You know why he didn't? Because he doesn't want people to have their faith in just what he did one time. He wants his faith to be in him, not just in the methods that we did it one day. And everybody has methods, but if the Holy Spirit's not in it, we need to throw out those methods and get new methods because you can't put him in a box. The Holy Spirit can do what he wants to do. He's God, we're not. And he moves different ways at different times in our lives. Let me use this as an example. Maybe at one time in your life, shout to the Lord from Hillsong was your song. Amen. And you knew when I put on shout to the Lord, the Holy Spirit's going to be in my car. But now you can put on songs like that and you don't feel anything. Now, why not? Because the Holy Spirit's unpredictable. He keeps moving. And you can't put him in a box. Or maybe there was a certain passage that used to read and it, it just made your day. And now you can read that same passage in the Bible and you appreciate it, but it just doesn't do it for you like it used to. But this other passage in Job is uplifting you for some reason. The Holy Spirit's unpredictable. 
Because he doesn't want you to trust the methods or put him in a box. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And so he moves in different ways in different times. I don't know about you, but every summer camp, going into summer camp, we, we all collectively feel like we're going to blow it. Every year. I feel like, how do we keep topping ourselves every year? How do we make it better every year? There's no possible way to do it. But then the Holy Spirit comes in and helps us do what we can't do in our own natural strength. And he does it different ways, different years, because he's unpredictable. And if we tried to repeat everything we did last year, he wouldn't move in the same way because he's moving a different way now. Just like the wind is unpredictable. So the Spirit of God can be unpredictable. And notice, that's not to harm your life. That's to help you. He wants you to follow him and have a relationship with him. Number three, wind is powerful. Acts 1 in verse 8. Wind is powerful. You guys getting something today? Wind is powerful. Now we're talking about fresh air, the importance of the Holy Spirit. Wind is powerful. Acts 1 and verse 8. Now this is a kind of a favorite scripture for a lot of people that are spirit-filled. But it's for everybody. It's for anybody who believes in Jesus. Acts 1 and verse 8, he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Notice, but when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. Power. You need power. I know you can name some things in your life right now. You can't change. You can't fix. You can't heal. I'm preaching. (laughs) You can't deliver because you don't have enough power. You don't. And most people stop there and live their life there. Well, forget it. I can't change it. I can't fix it. I'm powerless. Yes, you are. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. And it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be a witness in Jerusalem and Judea and all the earth, but not just power to be a witness, power to do everything you're called to do, power to live your life, power to overcome addictions, power to get past the things that you can't get past, power to get healed, power to get delivered, power to live a successful Christian life, power to do what you can't do in your own natural strength, power to make money for the kingdom of God. He gives you power to do what you can't do. And the root of all that is pride in our lives that act like we don't need power. Christians that say, I don't need the Holy Spirit that much. And you guys, with the Spirit-filled life, you just got a crutch. You need that because you're emotionally unstable. You need that because you're just not educated enough. You need that Holy Spirit stuff. What is that? That's pride. (laughs) 
Because you need power just like everybody else needs power. And the Holy Spirit comes on us and brings power. We know the wind is powerful. We see that in our nation. We see that even in this area with tornadoes that have come through. They're powerful. Now all that is is wind. All it is is wind. You can't see it. You can feel it. You can experience it. And it's powerful. Now that's in a destructive sense. But you've also seen wind turbines in certain parts of the country. One time we were in Iowa, in Illinois, and all there was was wind turbine after wind turbine. And notice what's happening. The wind hitting those turbines is creating power. Power. Because wind is powerful. It's powerful enough to create electricity by those wind turbines. So we know wind is powerful just like the Spirit of God is powerful. Number four, wind is refreshing. Wind is refreshing. 2 Corinthians 3. I appreciate you guys coming out this morning. I feel like we're going somewhere today. Wind is refreshing. 2 Corinthians 3, in verse 17, says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. Notice, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is refreshing. Have you ever been in a church when you you leave the church building and you feel worse when you leave? Not not this church, of course. Don't say amen to that. I've been at churches before and I leave feeling worse than when I came in. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord wasn't there. So there was no liberty, there was no freedom, there was no refreshing. There was just a pep talk. And a pat on the back. Be good Christians. Hug your wife. God bless. Right? That's what they do. And there's no spirit there. That's why you don't feel any different when you leave. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty. There's refreshing. You feel stronger when you leave. You feel better when you leave. You feel uplifted when you leave. You feel encouraged with you when you leave because the Spirit of the Lord is there. And wind is refreshing, just like the Spirit is refreshing. And you know, most churches just need some fresh air. Now, have you ever been on a hot day and it's humid and you get to your car and what's one of the first things you do? You roll the windows down and you crank the AC up. Now, you do both because you need some help immediately. Now, why do you do that? And you get in the car and notice once you start driving, you go, ah, that feels better. Why you start feeling refreshed? Because you needed some fresh air. Because it was too stuffy with the windows up and how hot it was outside. And you just need to roll the windows down and drive and crank the AC and get some fresh air. 
Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be inside too much. I wouldn't say I'm an outdoorsy person, but I do like the outside. Now, you're not going to catch me camping every weekend, but I do like to be outside. And, you know, there's something about it. When, when I'm in the building, now, don't make fun of me because people make fun of me for needing fresh air. But, you know, it, it applies to a lot of people. What happens, like, when somebody gets sick, they're like, oh, my gosh, give them some air. Take them outside. Let's get them some fresh air. I mean, it does something for you, or they wouldn't say that. Get this man some fresh air. Like that's suddenly going to revive him because it really does bring refreshing. And so sometimes I can be inside too much. I'm like, I just got to get outside. I need some fresh air. And literally, physically, emotionally, mentally, it helps me just to get some fresh air. I don't know about you. Is anybody else like that? You just need to get outside. You need to take a walk and get some fresh air and you feel better. Because we need that. Our body needs that. Our emotions need that. But spiritually, you need that. I take a lot of drives in my truck. And when I take drives, I drive out in the country. Now, I pretend that I'm a country boy. I'm not fully a country boy. But I pretend I am sometimes. Because I do drive a truck. That's right. An F-150 Ford. Thank you very much. I drive a truck. It's got some dirt on it because I ran through some dirt. Just to remind myself that I'm a man. But when I take those drives out in the country, you know what I do? I don't keep the windows up and the AC on. I roll all the windows down because I just need some fresh air. Now, everybody can't hang with me like that, but I just need some fresh air. I just go drive out in the country. I usually get lost wherever I'm at, and it's just way out there. And then I start thinking, like, I'm in a horror movie right now. Where There's all sorts of people around that look a little questionable out in the country here. There's a reason they live that far out, because they don't want anybody to see them <laughs> or come by their house. So... Anybody like taking drives like that? Anybody like taking drives? You roll the windows down and just enjoy the fresh air. Or you, you go outside and take a walk because you just need to get out. Because sometimes being inside is too stuffy. The air gets stagnant on the inside and you just need some fresh air. You know, we need that spiritually. You need that spiritually. And that's what the Holy Spirit comes and does. He gives you some fresh air. He gives you some fresh wind. He revives you. He refreshes you in the same way when you go for a drive with the windows down, you feel refreshed. Or you go outside and you get some some fresh air on your face and you feel better. You feel more alive. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. In the same way wind is refreshing, the Spirit of God is refreshing. You get something today. I'm going to end with this and then you guys are going to get your cupcakes. Right? So, speaking about wind and refreshing, uh, there is a place on the earth called the doldrums. Now, some of you have heard that word before because people will describe their mood in the word doldrums because it it means really um, depression. 
or a place really where you can't get out of, you're stuck. So people will use that word, the doldrums. But it's actually a place on the planet. It's a real place, and it's um, around the equator. It's around the equator, and it's a place in the ocean where the northern and the southern trade winds meet together, and they cancel out each other so there's no wind. Now, today we have boats that have motors and we have powerful boats that can get out of those situations. But there was a time in a day, just a hundred years ago, where they didn't have motors in boats. And you know, for thousands and thousands of years, the only way they could sail their boats was if they had wind. And so it was known if you go to the doldrums and you accidentally take your boat into that part of the ocean, you're never getting out. You're stuck. You're going to die. Because it's a place in the ocean where there's absolutely no wind. So your boat's stuck. How many of us, that's the way our life is spiritually? In a doldrum. Not physically you're there, but spiritually you're there. Emotionally, you're there. The plan of God for your life, you're there. And just like in the natural, those ships and those boats could not move and cannot get unstuck because there's no wind. That's the same way our life is without the Holy Spirit. That's the same way our life is without Him in our lives. A lot of us today are stuck and we're in dead end situations. And just like they knew, those sailors knew, if, if I accidentally go there in that period of time, they were dead. Because you're not getting out because there's no wind. A lot of us are there today and we wonder why and we wonder how to get out. You need some wind. You need some air. You need some breath. And the only person that can do that and get you out is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to come in and give you some fresh wind, some fresh air, some fresh breeze, some some power. He wants to put some wind in your sails to get you unstuck from the situations you're in. And the reason a lot of us are stuck is because we've been trying to do it by ourselves this whole time, and we're going to stay there. And we're dependent on our own strength and our own power to get us out of a doldrum, and we can't because there's no wind. doesn't matter how powerful you are in your natural strength. You don't have enough power to create your own wind to get unstuck. And without the Holy Spirit in our lives, a lot of us are dead right now. A lot of us, without the Holy Spirit, we're stuck right now. And the reason the Holy Spirit wanted me to preach on this series and this message because he wants you to be unstuck. He wants you to get some fresh wind in your sails. He wants you to be able to move out of those dead places that you've thought, no, this is where I'm going to die, right here, because I can't get out. God wants to do something in your life. He wants to change some things in your life, but it only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting something this morning? And he wants to put wind in your sails again. And the only person that can do that notice is the spirit. Now, what does spirit mean? 
It means wind, breath, strong wind, strong breeze. And the Holy Spirit wants to come push us out of those situations that we're stuck in. He wants to give us power to get beyond ourselves and to get out of those dead places. And to get out of those, not physical doldrums, but spiritual doldrums that we've been stuck in. And notice the Spirit of God is the only person who can do that. He's the only person who can save us and heal us. He's the only person who can give us fresh air. He's the only person who can bring refreshing. He's the only person who can get us unstuck. Did you guys get something this morning? So I pray that as we continue this series, that that's what's going to happen for you. I pray that that happens today. I pray that when we leave this place today, that you're going to leave different because the Holy Spirit's going to give you a supernatural burst of air in your direction that you're going to get out of those places that you've been stuck in. Can he do it? Yes, he can. He can do it right now, today, before we leave this uh, service. And I pray he's going to do it in the next several weeks when we remember the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, let's um, bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. Let me ask this this morning. I know uh, we've said a lot of things today about the Holy Spirit. First of all, the first step is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and lives in you, makes you new. Brings life to you, like we were talking about. Brings life to you. If you need that today, uh, could you just lift your hands for a moment? I know a lot of people have already made that decision. Well, let's pray this together today. Father, I thank you for sending.